the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It is often said that a prophet is not honored in his hometown, but today might be an exception. We're very pleased to have join us a very special guest, certainly no stranger to these microphones. He is the founding and senior pastor of New Beginnings Community Church, Pastor Herman Hamilton. Pastor Hamilton, always a thrill and a delight to have you join us. Oh, thank you. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be with you again, Craig. Now, I, tongue-in-cheek, uh, talk about the <laughs> the prophet who doesn't get honor in his own hometown. Uh, you're actually coming back to the San Francisco Bay Area. You were born and raised here. God had you on a trajectory in yes. other parts of the country that included a tenure of pastoring churches back in the greater Boston area. You worked right. as an adjunct professor for, uh, well, both Harvard Divinity School, Gordon Cromwell University, as well as at Yale University, and eventually God pulled you all the way back to the San Francisco Bay Area. Kind of walk us through that pathway. You've got a you've got an interesting story, and I want to maybe start out with some of the early challenges that you faced as a young boy. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Listen, you're right. I was born here in San Francisco, the fourth of four kids. And when I was born, I broke out with infertile rash, shielded my sister next to me. I was six months old. Uh, the doctor diagnosed it correctly, but the medicine he gave me, I was allergic to it. Uh, and it created what they call chemical burns. And my uh, mother was didn't know what was going on. She wrapped my head because to keep me from gouging and scratching. And one day she unwrapped the bandages and layers of skin unwrapped, unwrapped along with it. Horrible, and they rushed me to San Francisco General Hospital. They thought I had been in a house fire, this six-month-old baby. They were frantically working on me, and they spilled stuff in both of my eyes, permanently damaging my uh, both eyes, but especially my right eye. I only have maybe 5% vision in that eye. I stayed in the hospital for about a year. Um, in that time, my uh, dad uh, said I wasn't his, and my mom took deathly ill, was about to put me in foster care because she couldn't keep me. My grand-aunt uncle, uh, my grand-aunt was married to a Baptist minister in Cushata, Louisiana, and she said, if you can get him to me, we'll keep him. What's remarkable about that, Craig, is that my grand-aunt had loved, l- loved kids and had helped to raise my biological mom during some tough teenage years. She had kind of cared for her, but had been told she would never have kids of her own. And here she is in her early 50s, and uh, late 40s, early 50s, and my uh, granduncle is approaching 60. And uh, that door of generosity, uh, I would, I, I got there about two years old, and uh, I stayed with them until I was about six. My biological mom came to claim me and saw this remarkable relationship between me and them, and and the God moved on her heart, and she made a courageous decision to leave me with my granduncle, and they raised me as their only child, which literally, spiritually, um, physically, and every other way saved my life. Uh, and um, so I got to meet the Lord there in that household uh, in the eighth grade. I had a conversion experience. Uh, but Craig, I always say that it took 
um, Jesus two years to make the trip from my from my heart to my head. So <laughs> I was a I started off as a special needs kid, and um, you know I always say I thought I was ugly because I was scarred. Uh, so I acted ugly. I thought I was uh, stupid. So uh, I, I did lots of dumb stuff. Got into every kind of trouble I could get in. No teacher wanted me in their classroom. In the tenth grade, I had a a brief experience where a young lady that I thought liked me uh, really was just using me to get her boyfriend riled up and she succeeded. And uh, he, he, she had me to sit down beside her and whispered to me. Next thing I know, he tapped me on the shoulder. I got up. Uh, he hit me. I hit the ground. That was the end of the fight. But I walked into the bathroom, had an epiphany that I was flunking out of school. Didn't really bother me that much. But what I saw in that epiphany was my my grand aunt and uncle being devastated uh, because they will have wasted the best years of the second half of their lives. So I turned to Jesus right there in the bathroom. And I said, Lord, they say if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I said, I don't need you to move any mountains. I need you to open some doors. I said, I want to be on the stage with the honor students when I graduated. And I was, you know, nearly flunking out of school in the 10th grade. Uh, I said, I want to go to college. And I want my grand aunt and uncle to know that I haven't, they haven't wasted the best years of their lives. I walk out of that bathroom and kicked into a world history class, which became, um, uh, you know, the, the teacher told me when I reported to that class, funny story, my reputation outrun me when I got there. 60-year-old lady, Miss Gafford. Called me in my car, pushed me up against the locker, took a finger, shook it in my face and said, boy, if you come in this class acting a fool like you do the rest, I'll kill you. Do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> so I go into class. I raise my hand and say something foolish, uh, made the class laugh. Out of my mouth comes the right answer. Everybody's shocked, especially me. She takes three seconds and says, um, boy, if you go home and study and stop acting a fool, you could be somebody. In retrospect, that was the voice of God speaking through her. I went home and started studying. Uh, by the end of the year, I became top five of her world history class. By the time I graduated, I was on the stage with the honor students and um, on my way to uh, college, Grambling State University, by way of the Republic of Chi- Taiwan, because I won a first place uh, competition, national competition that allowed me to experience a little bit of time in Taiwan. And yeah, the rest is history. Um, and I became a philosophy and history major at Grambling State University, student body president, first student body to win a, a seat on the board of trustees. All miracles from God. All this little kid who was a special need kid who couldn't get out of his own way in Cushetta, Louisiana. I met and fell in love with my wife, Rhonda. That was 36 years ago. And uh, graduated, came back out here to San Francisco Theological Seminary to seminary. Um, very liberal seminary while being grounded in a evangelical, uh, charismatic, uh, African-American, socially engaged Presbyterian church in the inner city of San Francisco. So the best of all worlds in the sense of education. Um, and then went to Arkansas, pastor for three and a half years, then landed in Boston for 17 and a half years, Roxbury Presbyterian Church, uh, fabulous congregation. Uh, as was my first church, Faith Press, by the way, in Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And there, um, you know, as you mentioned, I got to teach at Harvard Divinity and Gordon Conwell and uh, got to help give birth to an organization called the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, which brought faith communities together. Uh, 
It's very unique for an evangelical Christian to facilitate that kind of work. Uh, but we just agreed to disagree on all the theology. We weren't talking theology. We were talking about how we could make a difference in the city. And uh, we helped to pass near universal health care there. We adopted a school and turned it around and raised about $75, $50 million at the time to build a brand new STEM school, the first of its kind in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, and then later uh, came out to pastor uh, Abundant Life, which was a large uh, multi-ethnic church here in the Bay Area. I was there as teaching pastor for two Roughly two years uh, teaching backslash lead pastor, and uh, and then out of that church was born um, New Beginnings, and um, and that was uh, oh my gosh almost eight years ago, and uh, so yeah so now we have an, in- an incredible congregation, uh, multi ethnic, diverse in every way you want to imagine, across race and ethnicity and class and politics. Um, but rooted in the evangelical theological tradition. And uh, two campuses, as you've mentioned, uh, one in Redwood City and one in San Jose. And, um, yeah, and God is just doing incredible things uh, through through this ministry. So that's my story, man. That's, that's a little bit of my journey. My guest today is Pastor Herman Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Beginnings Community Church. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our visit with Pastor Herman Hamilton, senior and founding pastor of New Beginnings Community Church. Pastor Hamilton, let's pick up where we left off just a moment ago. I am struck by the fact that the name of the church, New Beginnings, is very much indicative of your own life journey, your life story. And, And interesting to note, and I think this is important to underscore, particularly for younger people that are listening, early on you sort of characterize your life experiences, um, well, should we say, a, a victim of stinking thinking, as my grandmother Yes, indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes it's a matter of um, head knowledge. We know who Christ is. We've learned of him. But the, the, the value of that message has yet to travel at 18 inches from head to heart. In That's your right. case, it was almost reverse. Reverse in the sense that the heart change mm. led to a change of mind and a change of viewpoint. And I and I, I would wonder, Pastor, from your perspective, as you look at what's going on in our nation today, you know that we are wrought with all kinds of challenges. There's political division in this country. We're dealing with a health pandemic, the likes of which we certainly, no one alive has ever seen. Along with that, we're seeing cases of, of, of rampant sin, violence on the streets, all of this going on. And I wonder how much of it can directly be attributed to people who see themselves as worthless, see themselves as having no future, see themselves as losers, and so they behave that way because that's the way they think of themselves. And so as a result, they they never get spurned on to, to do things higher and better and of a greater caliber because they just don't think that they're capable of accomplishing that. Do you, do you think that's a, a big part of what's going on in our culture today? Yeah, you know, I I, I think, um, you know, in two, I, I think about it in two ways. I think about it from the bottom up and from the top down. Uh, from my In my case, uh, really figuring out that God uh, knew me personally, knew my name, knew me as it relates to the DNA structure of my, loved me, and truly 
had a purpose greater for me than I could ever had imagined. As I came into realization of that, it literally transformed how I saw myself as a scarred kid growing up, uh, how I understood myself as a person with gifts, but also this incredible faith that began to emerge, which essentially said uh, that with God, all things were possible. So I started reaching for things like competing in a national essay competition or running for student body president, doing those kinds of things that historically I would not have done. Uh, so that's, that's, that was the reality for me, I'd say, from the bottom up. But I also know from the top down, I know that there are people who go to work every day. They are, you know, they, they, they have millions of dollars in investment, uh, and yet they have this syndrome called the imposter syndrome. They, they, they feel like, you know, today is a day when people discover that, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Today is a day when I'm going to fall into failure. And again, it's the same root, though. People not being aware of the fact that God knows your name, that God has a call on your life, a purpose greater than yourself. And that as you lean into that, you don't have to worry about uh, life overtaking you. So you got to amass all this money and stuff. No, you just live out the purposes that God has, has given to you. So, so I, I think both from both ends, knowing that God knows you, loves you, has a purpose greater than you can imagine radically changes your life. And that's found in Jesus Christ as uniquely for me. You know, fascinating in today's society and culture, uh, you look at the younger people in particular who get all excited because they've got 10,000 followers on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> or, or I need your Instagram account. Oh, oh Be sure to friend me. We've seen people that have hundreds of friends on Facebook, and yet they die tomorrow. Nobody shows up at the funeral. That's exactly right. And yet the interesting thing is, as much as we brag about things like that, they, they know of us, but none of them really know us. Know us. That's exactly right. But the creator exactly. God himself. Yes. Not only knows us. Yes. He made us. Yes. And I yes. think the amazing part of the gospel message is when, when an individual has the Holy Spirit quickened to his heart. Yes. The realization that not only does God know us not only did yeah. he make us but he provided a way by which he might save us yes. even while we're in the depth of our sin and deprivation and acting the fool and offending this holy and righteous god yes. he stopped and said that guy right down there yes that herman that craig mm -hmm. i, I want to know him and i want to walk in fellowship with him i want to bless his life i want to be a part of his life and I'm going to provide the means by which my son can find healing, reconciliation, and restoration in relationship. I mean, folks can get their mind wrapped around that. Wow, that ought to be that poof, Absolutely. that explosive, life-changing realization. Yeah, listen, and at the core of that is this notion that God is a God who is for you and not against mm. you. And that most people have this perception of God as the the judge who is is I can't let him find me because if he does he's going to kill me, but but Jesus is the face of God, and yes there is judgment, but he took that on Calvary's cross on behalf of all of us who put our trust in him, 
and um, squared away all of the stuff around our guilt and our shame and made it safe for us to boldly come into the presence of God in his name and discover a God who's for you, not against you, who who um, who wants to bless you, not curse you, who wants to redeem the brokenness of your life and bring value uh, and substance uh, to who you are and impact through you into the world. Uh, so that, that's that notion of how do I see God? Do I see, is he for me or against me? He's for you. Does he love me or hate me? He loves you so much so that he would give all he had for you. It is part of the the failure to communicate that message, does that belong squarely at the foot of believers today? And, and here's why I ask that question. I, I, there are often t- two types of people um, when it comes to whether or not they've ever made a decision for Christ. Some might say, well, I've, I've never believed in Jesus because I've never known a Christian. Others might say, well, I've never believed in Jesus because I know a Christian. And mm-hmm. so we oftentimes, I wonder if we fail to communicate that message. And I ask that question because how ironic it is that if you talk to the average non-believer out there and identify yourself as a Christian and ask, what is a Christian? More often than not, they will respond with a list of, well, a Christian is against abortion. It's against this. It's against, they know all of the things that we stand against. Yes. Yes. But then when you say, okay, tell us what we stand for, for. nobody yes. can give an answer. And, and I wonder if as a result, God gets a bad rap because we think he's up in heaven with a big stick, just waiting That's for right. us to get out of line because he's right. all about punishment. And certainly the, the, the good news is not good news unless you know what it is good news that you're being saved from. Right. So the, the totality yeah. of that message needs to be there. But I have to wonder if part of the failure here is that we have, as believers, either wittingly or unwittingly, communicated a message that really only tells part of the story and that as a result, people don't get excited because they don't see others in us. They don't see that abundant joy leaping out of us. You are absolutely right. You know, in 1 John 3, uh, 16 through 18, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture because uh, it answers two questions. The first question it answers is, how does a believer know uh, that he or she is loved and what love is? And the writer says this. He says, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Uh, and so we ought to lay down our lives for others. So, so as a believer, I know that through the gospel. Then the question is, well, how do unbelievers know that God loves them? And it's picked up in that second part. So we ought to lay down our lives for others. Then it goes on and tells the story about if you pass somebody who is in need and you walk by them and have no compassion, then how can the love of God be in you? Here's the point. Folk who don't know Jesus more than likely don't, you know, won't get to come to church to hear me preach. They will first experience him through you and me. And they will experience him through how we love. And here's one of the things that's uniquely valuable today, how we love across disagreement, Mm -hmm. how we love people with whom we may radically disagree on this issue or that issue or whatever the case is. Because what we got to understand is, listen, Jesus died for all of us. He didn't agree with all the stuff that makes us who we are, right? Uh, but his love was of such. Uh, one brother says uh, the, the, the agape love that Jesus demonstrated 
is really best defined as it wills the good for others. And um, uh, so we have to learn how to isolate where we disagree. And yet, even how we disagree, it needs to be with respect. Uh, it needs to be with a sense of, of uh, being able to hear the other person's story. Uh, and it needs to be able, it needs to be in a context that says, you know what, we may reach different conclusions about this particular issue, but there are a whole lot more life that we can engage with, partner around, that you can experience uh, my support and my love. Uh, I, we don't agree here, but look at all the other areas that, that uh, I want you to experience um, my love and support for your life. So that's, that's, that's where we are. Paul put it this way. He spoke of being all things to all men that he might win. Some. Ah, said so well. Absolutely. And we miss that point. And I, and I have to wonder, as a, as a leader of a church, as a pastor, mm. as a lover of Jesus, does it bother you at times when the church allows so much language of warfare to yes. creep into our conversation that we define people that don't think as we do, yes. that maybe don't have the walk that we do or the morals yes. that we do as our enemy? Yes, and that we're it is warfare. absolutely wrong. And absolutely. I'm thinking to myself, did we move? Did we miss a point here, or has the enemy confounded us? Because absolutely. Scripture talks about not having warfare and battles against flesh and blood, but rather absolutely. against principalities and powers in high places. Absolutely. And wouldn't it just be like the enemy to get us to focus that warfare yes. not on him, but rather yes. on each other? And then yes. he can divide and conquer and collect up all the spoils. Does that bother you? It bothers me terribly. It's just horrible. Uh, our ability to, uh, to, we're not able to disagree without demonizing. We're not able to uh, articulate a, a perspective while creating space for people to have other perspectives. I mean, that's what's unique about our congregation. I mean, I have a diverse community. So if you have a diverse black, white, Asian, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat, all worshiping together, obviously there are tons of things we disagree on. You got to create space for people to think differently, see things differently. And yet we agree on one thing, and that is that we've been saved by the blood of Jesus and that the blood of Jesus makes us brothers and sisters across our differences and uh, that we have more in common and we have that divides us. And so absolutely, this notion of demonizing people, going to war against people because of uh, an area or two of disagreement is ungodly. And uh, it has done great, brought great harm to the reputation of not only the, with the church, but it brings great harm to the reputation of Jesus. And, you know, here's one thing that I'll say to people who are listening. And they say, I don't want anything to do with the church because it's painful. It's, I've had horrible experiences. I will just say this as a preacher. Uh, never confuse Jesus followers with Jesus. We're imperfect reflections of who he is. I just challenge anybody you know, just pick up a Bible, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, begin to explore for yourself this one called Jesus. And then, you know, if you give your right life to that one, then become the light that um, that you would you would have liked to have seen in other folk who were the name of Christian. My guest today is Pastor Herman Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Beginnings Community Church. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our visit with Pastor Herman Hamilton, senior and founding pastor of New Beginnings Community Church. 
Well, Pastor Hamilton, let's pick up where we left off just a moment ago. And, you know, at the end, I think the the change in attitude, instead of seeing someone with whom we agree morally, politically, whatever the debate might be, mm-hmm. instead of viewing them as an enemy to be vanquished, mm. instead view them as someone for whom Christ died, yes. as a sinner in need of a savior, yes, and that maybe God has allow them to cross our pathway, not so we can take out the sword and slay them and, you know, stand with the sword buried in their chest and our foot atop their head, you know, beating our chest in victory, but rather to be maybe that one person who can be the feet, the mouth, the arms, the hands of Jesus, be Jesus to them and win such a one for the sake of the gospel, as opposed to trying to vanquish them as an enemy. And as you seek to do that, you'll discover that you'll become a Jesus, a better Jesus follower. Mm. You love more unconditionally, right? And uh, some of this stuff, we're just going to have to let Jesus work itself out, uh, work work it out. But but what we don't have to let work out is how we love people, right? And how when I say love, I'm going to I've talked about it recently. It's an action word. How we make the decision to serve others. Uh, and that's something you can do across disagreement, right? Right. To care for others, to serve, to care, uh, to act for the good of others. Uh, these are decisions that we can make. They don't have to be um, tied to a person's politics or anything else that you want to uh, want to throw into that. Uh, no. How do I how do I demonstrate that I'm for you and not against you? And an amazing, when, when, when the question was posed to Jesus as to what was the greatest commandment, there were so many that he could have selected. Oh, my. And, and we as believers sometimes love to go down the list of 10 and, and selectively pick out which ones that we want to use as a weapon against somebody in that yes. moment. Yes. And yet, Jesus returned the answer to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and there is no um, qualification. He didn't say your rich neighbor, your white neighbor, your black neighbor, your poor neighbor, your Republican or your Democratic neighbor, right? No, nor uh, did he say it's one or the other. Love yourself it, or love you. It's and love your neighbor. <laughs> come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, that is the, if we took seriously, and I do want to say there are a lot of Jesus followers who are taking that seriously. Absolutely. I, I, there are tons of Jesus followers who are taking that seriously. I got a lot of folk at New Beginnings who work very hard to live out that principle and take that seriously. And as we, and there are other churches across the Bay and country for whom th- th- that this is true. So I want to make sure I highlight that. Um, uh, having said that, um, as we pursue that basic, the love of the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And if you add that to a few other texts that says it's impossible to love God whom you've not seen if you can't love your brothers and sisters who you see. It's all tied together. It's all tied together. In some respects, do you think much of what we're seeing going on right now on the political stage Certainly, in in the moral arena, my goodness, I mean, they're they're bold enough to get a group together and go into a jewelry store and do a smash and grab. And I, I mean, some of these levels of criminality are shocking, to be sure, and yet demonstrative of man's sinful nature. And sure. this is kind of what happens when sin runs unchecked. 
when, when you look at all of that, what do you think the response from the church should be? People fret and worry over these things and feel as if, my goodness, I don't feel safe going shopping for the holidays, for example. How should the church be responding to times like these, in your opinion? Well, I think the church has to be, uh, first of all, a light, really. Number one, I think we're called to be a light. Part of that is in how we love, how we love across disagreement, uh, in in how we care for those who are suffering. Uh, we're in the middle of, a, of an effort now we call Be Rich, where we are, uh, are putting together more than 2,000 hygiene kits for people who are in the unhoused and homeless shelters across the Bay Area. We're going to give away... By the end of the year, we would have given away over two hundred thousand dollars to support people who are uh, who are in a variety of uh, challenged situations across the bay. Uh, that, that, you know, that's part of what it means to be a light to serve without condition. Secondly, I think it also means to be wise. So don't do stuff that's stupid. Uh, you know, if, if this is a dangerous area, don't be out late at night, and you know, be thoughtful about how you how you engage, but also be people of faith. A person who declared, this is what I said the other day, that I've ultimately put my trust in Jesus Christ. He has the first and last word, the authority over my life. And if death overtakes me, that's what it means to be saved, that my life does not consist solely with what I experience here on earth, that he has, he has, he has, he has overturned the power of permanent death. So my ultimate trust uh, is in Jesus. Now, so I've got to couple that faith with being wise. I'm going to be wise, but I also want to be a person who walks in faith. It's both of those things together that I've got to, I've got a model. And in so doing that, uh, I think we 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 kind of show people the way forward. And that faith that you spoke of, I'm reminded of another passage: "Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God." Yes. Maybe for the person, even eavesdropping on our conversation right now, that says, "But Pastor Hamilton, I, I struggle with all of this." I am afraid to admit that I'm terrified by the, the, the impact of this pandemic. I'm worried for my family, my children. I, I struggle with the images that I see on television every day, and I'm having a difficult time placing the totality of my faith and confidence in Christ. Is that a heart cry that says you need to really, to, to, to know him, you need to draw closer to him, and to draw closer to him, you need to get deeper into his word? Absolutely. And this is why being a part of a church community helps. Because, uh, you know, if you read the whole Bible, it's faith and community. I mean, the moment you leave Adam and Eve, you head into the whole Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament. It's about faith inside of this emerging Jewish community. The New Testament is about faith inside of what we now call the called out community, the church. It's always faith inside a community. It's not faith inside a perfect community. <laughs> it's not faith. It's faith inside of a community of people who are genuinely trying to walk with and follow Jesus. Because it's hard. You need somebody to support you, to help you to grow, to encourage you. And I just tell you that tons of churches out here. And despite what you may see on TV or hear about, uh, there are a lot of great churches uh, where there are, are people and communities inside of those churches that will walk with you. So, hey, you need that. You need where you get the good, some good teaching of God's word because reading it is important. Having it taught, having your mind challenged, uh, even if you disagree, let it be an informed disagreement. Right. Uh, and then definitely engaging God's word on yourself and spending time in prayer, just saying, you know, five, 10 minutes a day to say, you know, I'm just going to spend some time with you, Jesus. I need you to keep revealing yourself to me and uh, keep showing me um, 
how I can get to know you better and then look for God to answer that. My guest today is Pastor Herman Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Beginnings Community Church. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our visit with Pastor Herman Hamilton, Senior and Founding Pastor of New Beginnings Community Church. Pastor Hamilton, let's pick up where we left off just a moment ago, and that engaging with other believers too—that that sense of iron sharpening iron—that yes. that yes. that makes us sharper and more useful, ultimately more useful for the sake of the kingdom. Let's That's talk right. a bit about the church, and I'm I'm struck. Pastor Hamilton, by as you early on described the congregation at New Beginnings as a church that has a multiplicity of variety in terms of age groups, ethnicity, economic status, professional backgrounds. It, it pretty much sounds like what heaven's going to be. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. It's I'm so honored to lead and pastor uh, NBCC. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, and our diversity is our greatest strength, but it's also our greatest challenge, right? Because you're trying to lead that kind of church through one of the most polarized eras, uh, in, in our history. And, uh, so we're, we're not perfect. You have all that stuff, you know, beneath the surface there. Uh, but we're continuing to challenge each other, uh, from the pulpit and, and how we live our lives that Jesus is the ultimate common denominator, uh, to learn how to listen to one another, how to disagree while respecting each other's stories. Uh, I can respect and even empathize with your story without reaching the same conclusion, whether it be politically or philosophically or whatever the case might be. Uh, and, um, and to learn to just remember that Jesus shed his blood for that person you disagreed with over there. That is your brother. That is your sister. And to continue to build life out broader than our disagreements. There's so much more than life. So that's what, yeah, again, this Be Rich effort that I'm doing, we call it Be Rich to Others. Uh, taken straight out of, uh, out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, where he says, teach your, the people in your congregation to, to literally be rich to others by doing good with their money. So, uh, you know, we come together across our differences and, um, you know, in this case, we're praying five minutes a day uh, thematically uh, across the week. We're praying for healing. We're praying for practical needs. We're doing all that. We're mobilizing kids and parents and all of us to put together these hygiene kits. Then we've challenged people to give thirty nine ninety five. And for people like me, we're going to give way more than that. And some others will give a little less than that because it'll be a stretch. Um, and then we'll take all of that. And we've got uh, eight partners across the the Bay Area, who is doing stellar works, um, schools and people are trying to help folk rebuild their lives from the from the Bay Area fires to, to people who are working with uh, folk who are in homeless shelters. The, and the list goes on trying to get people reemployed. And, you know, we're raising all that money. We're going to give it all away to those partners. And we do it in the name of Jesus, not 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 so we get any credit, but so that the light of Jesus is shining. Amen. Right. And people know when you say Jesus loves you. Well, okay, what does that actually mean? Well, it means, you know, here's a hygiene kit, here's shelter, here's here's some help to get you to some access in terms of health care through this community program. That's what it means. Here's people coming around you. You're a stranger to them. They are strangers to you, but they're going to try to provide for your needs, and they're going to do it in the name of Jesus. And, and showing that practical application. I mean, we, we sometimes gloss over that passage of Scripture, 
when Christ in Matthew talks about when I was sick, you comforted me. When I was in jail, you visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. Yes. And the apostles responded back and said, well, Master, when, when did we do all these things? Yes. Whenever you did so to the least of these, you yes. did so as unto me. So to yes. see that, not as an obligation, but as an act of worship. Yes. Wow. You are so right, Craig. That can change so our right. entire attitude about the way we engage with others. So now it's no longer a matter of trying to one-up each other, but rather just coming, giving that cup of cold water in Jesus' name, being that salt, being that light. And, and, and for some people in the church, that might mean it's a time for us to stop talking and to start listening. Tell us a bit about the the community of New Beginnings Community Church. We mentioned that you have two campuses, one Mm -hmm. at 1550 Alameda de los Pulgas in Redwood City and another at 72 North 5th Street in San Jose. Tell us a bit about what God is doing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, we have, um, we're really a regional congregation, so we're drawing people from all across the Bay Area. So if you live in the Bay Area, um, these are the two campuses that you can reach us for physical worship, uh, but also uh, we're online. So NBCCBarrier.com, we're there at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And so these days, people often, um, you know, when they hear about the church, the first thing they do, they go to Yep and they check that, and then they go to the website, and now they can check, They can you can experience our entire worship service uh, online. And, uh, and then if you want to check us out physically, and we hope you do, uh, if, if in as much as you feel safe, we always encourage people to, to utilize. That's why we have all these options. Um, then we're there for you. But uh, you've mentioned, you've already said it, Craig, we're a super diverse community. At the very center is that uh, our, our vision is we, we seek to reach people who feel far from God. Um, you know, you can have been in the church for 20 years and still feel far from God. Uh, and we seek to make passionate Jesus followers. Um, uh, and, and in doing that, we create space in our pews for people who are not believers. Uh, we, you know, we, 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 we say to you, if you don't know Jesus, you're not sure, uh, we've got a space for you. Come hang out with us. And, um, and then thirdly, uh, we seek to, uh, build families. We want to equip people, uh, to really go deeper and, and, uh, and have the most, uh, impactful, uh, relationships they can have. We seek to try to do that not only by the tools we give through teaching, but through the community we create. We have, we have 50 small groups all across the Bay Area uh, that are diverse and unique, and so you can connect with a small group of people. They uh, engage with whatever it is that's being taught on that Sunday. They revisit it in a very practical way in those small groups. Uh, how, do, how do I bring this teaching to life in my in my life? Uh, and then we seek to transform communities. And, you know, our vision uh, for that is, um, you know, what I've often said is that if uh, we, I, want, I want NBCC to be so intricately connected in transformational ways uh, throughout the Bay Area and beyond that if we suddenly disappeared, that the whole Bay Area would grieve. Uh, so we are partnering with schools. There's tens of thousands of dollars of work with schools here locally. We're partnering with some of the organizations that I mentioned earlier to help people rebuild their lives from fires, to have um, access to community-based health care, to provide for those who are in homeless shelters, so forth and so on. We also have a school in um, Kenya and a school in Guatemala that we're supporting. These are all stellar communities 
that are serving at-risk populations and they're under-resourced. So we try to, we find stellar organizations who are doing great work and then we try to leverage our uh, uh, our enormous resources to be a blessing uh, inside of that. So we have these great partners across the Bay Area. So that's essentially who we are. That's what we're about. Um, and uh, when we're, you're, you're going to always hear us say, um, at the end of the day, uh, our greatest aim are to be is to be the best followers of Jesus that we can be. Amen. And as you've heard, the offerings of ministry opportunity are as broad and diverse as the church itself. So we invite you to check it out, nbccbayarea.com. Again, the uh, online worship gatherings are both at 9 and 11 a.m., available directly through the website at nbccbayarea.com. And then Sundays, 11 a.m. for the in-person worship gathering at either the Redwood City or San Jose campus. Complete details, again, on the web at nbccbayarea.com. There's one final comment, Pastor. Um, There is a list of some of the, the goals of the church that's on the website. And the one that yeah. struck me, and, and many of them are, are quite amazing, but the one that struck me, which is, I think, an appropriate note to end our conversation on, the most important person in our church is the one who well, isn't here. here yet. That's exactly and right. boy, if you're somebody who is seeking a church home, you maybe have had a church experience in the past and it didn't end well, you're engaged in researching the claims of Christ, and you want to know, is this for me? What is this all about? And you're looking for a safe space to go and get some answers? We invite you to check out New Beginnings Community Church, nbccbayarea.com, where Pastor Herman Hamilton is the founding and senior pastor. Pastor Hamilton, always great to visit with you. I wish we had more time. We'll have to do it again, brother. Oh, so kind. Thank you. What an honor to be here with you, Craig. God bless you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.